Welcome to the Online Course Master Show, where we learn from the best online course creators how to better create and sell our very own courses. I'm your host, Phil Ebener, and I'm excited to be chatting with Dennis J. Smith, a good friend, online course creator, author, and affiliate marketing whiz. Visit OnlineCourseMasters.com for show notes to watch the video version of this episode and see an archive of all our past guests. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening, and make sure to leave a rating. Help us get our first 100 ratings so I can know whether to keep making this show or not. Let's get straight on to the interview. Hey, Dennis. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you as one of my first guests, and it's fun to be on the opposite side of the microphone asking you questions. So welcome to the show, and can you... Tell our audience a little bit more about your background, what you were doing before teaching online courses. Yeah, sure. Um, happy to be here. I'm so excited that you're going to be doing this. I know it's one of your goals for the year. So um, my background before, I guess, before I started teaching, I'll, I'll kind of like do an abbreviated version. I have had like a um, before in the past, a, a retail customer service background. And I used to manage a retail store. That's what got me to Seattle. I, you, you know from our conversations that I lived there for 10 years. And then we had a collapse of the economy back in 2000. And I was working as a web developer for a company called PhotoWorks in Seattle. And they were one of the first companies to actually take photos and scan them and then put them online. But then all of a sudden there were more competitors and the dot-com burst. And I found myself back here in Idaho and looking for work. And I ended up in call centers. And it was call center after call center. And I finally had enough of that. So I had back in 97, I think it was, uh, I started on Facebook quite a while ago. So I've been on Facebook for um, a long time now. And well, maybe it was like back in 2000, I think, now mm -hmm. that I think about it. But, but um, started on Facebook. And so I had a lot of knowledge and people, my friends were asking me stuff. And I thought, you know, why don't I write a book? Because I read this book by Robert G. Allen, and it's called Multiple Streams of Income. And one of them talks about everybody has enough knowledge in them to write at least one book. And living in Seattle, I started writing a book on web design, but I never completed that. So I wrote a book on social media, and that became Promote Your Business or Cause Using Social Media. So I wrote this beginner's handbook to kind of help people out and understanding social media and all of that. So I did that, and then you know I went back to like going to school again, and uh, just I think like some more jobs and stuff like that, and things just weren't going anywhere. I'm I think I'm one of those that I just don't really enjoy working for someone else <laughs> and and making them money. So so yeah, so I th then I discovered um, WordPress because I was doing websites back all the way to the days of Netscape 1.0. Nice. When you know learning HTML and I used to code and stuff like that, and I'm like I hate not necessarily hate I just don't like coding over and over again when you're doing multiple pages in a website and so I discovered WordPress, started learning that. And then I thought, well, why don't I make a course on this? So 
I forget what it was that I came across, but I think it was like maybe lead pages or something like that. And I thought about like making a course using something like that. And then um, I, oh, a friend of mine, Connie Brentford, she is an author and she created a course on Udemy about Twitter for authors. And she said, well, why don't you take a look at this Udemy? And so I, that back in 2014, mm -hmm. started looking at that. And I decided to take that WordPress course that I already had created and started uploading that to Udemy. And that became my first course. Wow. So you were actually, I didn't know that about you. You were actually creating a course before you even heard about Udemy. Was it a video-based course? Yeah, it, it was video, but it was using uh, lead pages because I had a client because uh, I was trying to figure out how to like create income. And since I knew WordPress, I started doing webinars and I came across a client back east and she was this woman who was a nurse and she wanted to create this website and all of that. And so she uh, had she'd been on my webinar watching my webinar and so she became a client of mine and she purchased lead pages and she allowed me to use it so I could learn it and that's how I did my first course was through lead pages wow nice well I want to back up a little bit to your book so you wrote this ebook about social media which Back then, I think now every online business knows that they need to have a social media presence, but you kind of got in there in the beginning. Was this a book you were selling on your own site, giving away for free? Did, was it on Amazon? Was that driving in any income on its own? Yeah, it was. Actually, um, some of my courses, like the WordPress course on marketing and my Kindle course, I actually talk about that. I've sold over a thousand copies of that book and through Amazon's, I forget, with a KDP program where you can do free downloads. I had over like 9,000 downloads of the book. And I learned a lot along the way about things that you need to do. Uh, as far as like a book launch and stuff like that, you kind of have to think ahead because you want to be able to uh, think about Amazon is that you don't get any access to the information of who's downloading your book. And so using WordPress, I came up with ways to gather that information. And so I use my own website along with some other stuff some plugins on WordPress to be able to promote that book. And then I also did some stuff locally. I got to speak in front of a group of authors here in Southern Idaho years ago. And I did book signings and things like that. And, you know, nice. kind of cool. Well, yeah. cool. I have a lot more questions about the getting into courses, but I kind of yeah. want to jump ahead so that our audience can kind of hear what your life has been like since you started creating courses because that's what this podcast is all about, sharing people's stories who have started creating online courses and have had success with it. Both success in terms of monetary success, but just being happy with what you're doing now. So can you kind of share with the listeners what has creating online courses and your other sources of income uh, like your ebook or your affiliate marketing, which we're going to talk about later, what has that allowed you to do with with your job and with your life? So it's been like kind of like for me, what I would consider maybe a, a roller coaster ride, because it doesn't. I don't think that that kind of success comes all at once. It, it's kind of like what I would say, steady effort. 
and you have to really be focused. And that's one of the things that I've struggled with is keeping myself focused. So I just recently ended a seasonal job. So I had to go back to earning some regular income because we know that with Udemy that um, we had a downturn, but um, so that affected my income. But, you know, I, I still like bring in uh, through courses and the websites that I do with the affiliate marketing, enough income that has allowed me to do specifically traveling. Uh, I've gone to Seattle a couple of times. I've gone to the coast and back to Crater Lake. I rented a car, went by myself. Because sometimes it's difficult to get friends or family members to to, to go in on a road trip. And, and I just like adventure. So I did that. And, and you know that I came down to San Francisco. I drove down there for you to be live last summer. As soon as the snow clears up, I'm probably going to be off the bend to Oregon again and have my ticket for you to be live. So a lot of that is traveling and, and also being able to maintain paying my bills. Uh, not necessarily paying off my bills yet, but, but I will come. <laughs> yeah, being able to make payments and also my my credit score within that time also has improved because I've been able to, you know, pay off a few cards here and there, that type of stuff. Um, I bought my equipment, you know, upgraded my equipment. And I, I think we'll probably talk about that a little bit, um, if, you know, later on in our conversation. But that's some of the stuff that I've been able to do. Yeah, I think it's pretty awesome. Just this idea of having multiple streams of income. And I've always, it's, I've always tried to look at um, the majority of the income that I've earned as sort of a bonus income. And I mean, I'm lucky now, especially my wife is working. And so I have that freedom to just kind of, um, you know, she can pay the bills with her income, but the income that I've made has helped me pay off my loans and pay for the extra things that, that I wanted or saving or investing. And even if it is an extra hundred bucks or $200 a month, it's nice to have that extra income to either just help pay off debt a little bit or have like that that freedom to be able to go travel and maybe take just take on the seasonal job if you want. Because I know I'm like you, working for another boss is not something that I enjoyed at all. And I think a lot of people listening to this can, can resonate with that feeling of, well, they don't want to be stuck sitting in a job where they have no control of their weekends or their time off because they just... N- they just can't take any time off, but having even just a little bit of extra income gives you that sort of freedom to go travel around. And and even though I, one thing I've learned through my travels is because I've been very fortunate to be able to travel uh, around the world, I think I appreciate where I live and the United States even more coming back to California. And just right now while I'm recording this, it's, it's winter time and there's snow on the mountains by me in Southern California. And it's just something as a kid and growing up, I didn't really appreciate. I always had this wanderlust of wanting to get out, go somewhere else. But now I'm here and I'm more settled and it's it's pretty amazing. So like you talking about just going down to Crater Lake or Bend, Oregon, it's like makes me just want to like go see some of these places right around here that, that aren't as far away. Yeah, and, and you know, it's like, I mean... I mean, we can be honest with the listeners that not everybody is going to make like thousands of dollars, 
but a few hundred dollars can be significant for somebody because you can choose like how much you want to earn or how little and you can you know have a a job a, a real job and then come and do a few courses and use that as extra income uh you know as far as like the snow it was kind of interesting you like we have like almost a few feet of snow, which is not normal for here. We've had some really rough weather this winter. It's it's the most snow ever. And I've lived here since the 70s. I came from California. But it allows you the freedom. Like if I started earning more, I don't have to stay locked in this location. I can mm. leave. Like my parents are retired. I'm in their house watching their house while they're in Arizona where it's 70, 80 degrees, you know? And and so with um, online learning and stuff like that, you give yourself that opportunity to have the freedom to go wherever you want. Oh, yeah, definitely. I know a lot of other people in this space who are traveling the world and working or live in places around the world, and this wasn't available to most people 5, 10, 15 years ago. So we live in an amazing time. Um, yeah. So when you started launch your first courses, you did have your ebook, so you had a little bit of an audience. Did that help having that audience? Were you promoting your course to that audience, or did you kind of just start from scratch with your courses? Well, I mean, my audience was like uh, the people who had been following me on Facebook that I had started building up because I created some fan pages for the book. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people, authors and things like that. I knew social media, so I, I knew how to utilize it to promote beyond those individuals. And I learned things along the way. Like I was saying with the book, you know, Amazon, you don't have access to who's buying your book. So when I was doing that free promotion in the beginning, I was just announcing that, hey, my book is free. Well, then I started getting smart when I was learning how others were doing it. And instead, I sent people to a website page, got their name and email address, and then funneled them to Amazon. So then that way, when I had my next book or course or whatever, I was able to promote to them. Yeah, everyone talks about having their own email list. And that's something I've learned, too, whether you're promoting yourself or building an audience on social media or on YouTube or on your own website, making sure that you're funneling people through some sort of email marketing system or opt-in form so you get their emails is so crucial. And uh, we, I will probably talk about ConvertKit a little bit later and a little bit of email marketing, but that's the tool that we both use. Uh, since I've actually focused on building my email list and automating the, that list and building sequences, I've seen a dramatic increase in in revenue. So I think that's a very good point for new creators. On When you get started, it's not just about sending people to your course landing page, especially if it's off of your own site, if it's on Udemy where you don't have as much control because on Udemy you don't get their email address or any information like that. So... Yeah, and that's one thing that I've learned from you, Phil, is that, uh, and people like Joe Paris, is that when you're a course instructor, one thing, like I have 10 courses now. My, la my latest course was the Paleo for the Holidays that I launched with a friend of mine. And I have a goal. And now that 
I am done with my seasonal job of one course a month or at least try to do that because like with people like you that when you have more courses and then you start to grow that audience on Udemy every time that you launch a new course that's just that many more people that you have the opportunity to have that course in front of yeah. and so you see your revenue grow and so that's something that I have to like keep reminding myself is that more content keep producing more content get get out there fresh content i think that has been the key exact key to my success and i'm excited to talk to some people on this podcast in upcoming episodes who have had a lot of success with one course or just a handful of courses but yeah. for me it has been about creating a ton of courses and that on Udemy specifically, it seems like that's what's made a lot of people successful, being able to cross-promote your new courses to your existing audience. Um, backing up just a little bit, though, just quickly, uh, I think a, a hard thing for people who are getting into course creation is knowing what kind of equipment to get. And I get a lot of questions on what's the best camera, what's the best microphone. And at the end of the day, I teach video production, but I always say that the camera is just a tool, the microphone is just a tool, and you can really make great videos with all kinds of equipment. So what what kind of, kind of equipment are you using, and maybe what did you start with, and what are you using now? So I started off with the Windows PC that I probably had a few years at that point. I think I have an HP laptop. I love love technology. And there's so many things out there um, it doesn't cost a lot, I think. Like a lot of people think that you have to have a lot of money up front to do this kind of stuff. You don't, because I um, subscribe to things like New Newegg.com is a, a favorite site of mine because they have flash sales, and you can get a refurbished laptop for a couple hundred bucks, and you can get a Chromebook, and you can create courses on a Chromebook. I had a Chromebook before and was capturing screenshots and things like that uh, for a course off of the Chromebook. And it was light. It was easy to take to a coffee shop and things like that. But then I, one of my biggest frustrations with the HP was the fan because mm -hmm. it picked up a lot of that in the background noise. And then you have to use things like, um, I think it's uh, Audacity, which is free, but it's still a pain in the butt to have to go through and sample and pull out the background noise. I use a MacBook Pro now, and it's completely quiet right now. And I upgraded my microphone. Uh, I, I have a Blue Yeti, but I had like uh, I forget what the I think it was from Blue. Still, it's over here. Um, oh, Samsung. It's like a, a, a mini um, mic. It's kind of um, kind of easy to to get around and stuff like that. But that was like forty bucks or something like that. The Blue Blue Yeti is a little bit more. It's like a hundred dollars. My MacBook, you know, $1,500, but you can get a refurbished Mac. You can get a Mac Air and still have a decent laptop uh, to do things with. But I have, like, right in front of me right now, I have a desk. It's the same desk that Phil has. It's um, a stand-up desk that I bought through Amazon. I need to stand up more with it. I've got a 32-inch LED monitor behind me that I use sometimes. I've got an LED light that I bought at a thrift store for 7 bucks. 
And then I've got the arm, you know, to, to bring out and a pop filter, just like you can see there with what Phil has in front of him. And then I've got like headphones and, and things like that. And I've got, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things that I bought recently was a lab mic so that I could plug it into my smartphone and then a little tripod, the little octopus ones that you can bend and stuff like that. Did you, and, do you know what type of lab that was? Was it the Rode Smart Lab or something else? No, it was one for 15 bucks that I did on, on my YouTube channel. I did it some um, sampling because I went to a Starbucks outside and did some, um, just some test videos to show people what it was like. And the quality for 15 bucks was amazing. And it gets good reviews, hundreds of, of good reviews. So it just depends on, on what you want, what you want to spend. As far as software goes, I use some free um, screen capture things. I use Snagit. And then I use Camtasia from TechSmith. Both of those, Snagit is from TechSmith too. And I bought it, you know, like usually like on a Black Friday or something like that, you get a good deal. And then I just upgraded to uh, Camtasia 9 for 100 bucks because it's worth it. I mean, you'll make that back in your, in your courses within, for some, it might be in a month. For others, it might take a little longer. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's real. I mean, the key things that you have aside from the MacBook Pro are relatively inexpensive. Yeah, I mean, for an online business that could potentially make a a passive income or a monthly income, uh, that's pretty substantial. It's such a small investment, and people can typically start with what they have. Um, I always recommend people to improve their audio first. I think that's the first thing you should invest in because the internal microphone of your your laptop or your computer or your phone or your camera even yeah. isn't going to be that great. But like you said, the Blue Yeti is around $100. For a cheaper option, the Blue Snowball is around 50 and that's what I started out with. Uh, and I, that's my advice is to start with what you have and then invest over time to improve the quality. Um, so Yeah, and you can go on to to YouTube and there are uh, videos out there like TechSmith did one and they just go through and they sample all of the different like the top mics and show you like there's one from Samsung that is a portable mic for 40 bucks and it's just a tiny mic that I thought about getting for when I travel or something because I don't want to lug around the Blue Yeti with me when I'm on a road trip but um you know, it's not that much. And like even the laptop, I have a Mac, but like I was saying, a couple hundred bucks, you can get a decent laptop these days online, even like a refurb. And one of the things that I recommend, though, if you're going to get a good laptop, make sure that it has a solid state drive. By that, I mean that it's not like the old hard drive where it has moving parts, because that's what cuts down on the heat that the laptop produces and that'll stop the fan noise from happening. That is a huge tip. I, I hear a lot of new instructors complaining about that fan noise, asking how do I get rid of that fan noise? And sometimes a better microphone can help with that because the better microphones don't pick up all of the sound. Maybe it's more directional and picks up just the sound from what you're saying close to the mic, but sometimes you just can't get rid of that fan noise. Uh, and especially yeah. when you're recording with your computer, it does take a lot of uh, of your computer power. And 
So I think that's a really good piece of advice. Do you have any other advice, not in terms of equipment, but for new creators who are creating their first course? Uh, do you have any other advice for them for how to make uh, their first course even better? Are you enjoying this episode? We hope you're learning to become a better course creator. If you want to fast track your success, head over to onlinecoursemasters.com and enroll in the full training program. Jam packed with multiple premium courses, downloadable guides, income reports, case studies, and much more. Use coupon code MASTER to get 25% off your purchase today. Now let's get back to the show. Well, I would say, first of all, that you do research to see what's out there, what others have done. And even if there are hundreds of WordPress courses or coding courses or whatever, you might be that one that can do it better than what's out there already. Or you might be able to offer uh, advice or something that other instructors are not uh, advising um, the other thing is, I lost my train of thought there with that. Well, with, uh, with topic selection, I think that's really important for people yeah. who, who are interested in making money with their online courses. Well, well, I think one thing that I recommend is just when you're starting out for the very first time, pick a topic that you'll enjoy talking about and enjoy teaching. Um, sure. I think going forward, picking a topic... Uh, that has a market is so important. And are there ways that you do that? Like, how do you do research for topic selection? I mostly do stuff that 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 um, I like, and I try to do, you know, like with uh, what I was thinking about um, when I lost my train of thought with WordPress, is that so many courses like focus on installing WordPress or whatever. So find something like a little bit different. I wrote down something somewhere on my desk when I was on a call with somebody thinking about some course ideas. And with WordPress, like as an example, my course teaches you the tools that you can use in WordPress as far as plugins for marketing. So you might get more specific. So if you're um, a, a graphic designer or something like that, and you're wanting to create your website, then maybe there's a plugin or something like that that would show off your your images and things like that. And so you could teach a course on how a graphic designer could build a WordPress website to showcase their work or something like that. Yeah, no, I think going for the more niche courses is a good idea to, uh, there's people out there searching for every kind of topic. And I think one thing I wanted to just touch on about what you said earlier about, even if there's hundreds of other courses on the similar topic, everyone brings their own ideas to the table and their own style. And to be honest, we're still in the very beginning of this whole online learning movement. And a lot of the courses out there just aren't that high of quality. And I think that over the next five, 10 years, we're all going to get a lot better at teaching online and creating the courses. And so if you sit down and watch other courses right now, I think you'll probably see that there's a lot that can be improved. So it's, it's a really exciting time to get into course creation. Uh, And that like for me, I, I know that a lot of my courses, there's a lot of other courses on there. There's a lot of free courses videos on YouTube, free resources about the topics I teach, but there's still a market for your course. There's still people willing to pay for a course 
that is um, put together nicely. What do you say to that, those people who say, well, you know, your course or this topic, there's a bunch of free stuff on YouTube. Is it worth even putting together a course at that at that point? I think so. Um, I, you know, with anything like like my book, I mean, you can go out and find information on social media, but I know quite a bit about social media or the topic that I'm teaching that, you know, I don't have a problem with calling myself the expert. They say that, I mean, you're an expert if you know a little bit more than the next person. So, um, you know, um, I just, I don't think that I really take that into consideration at all that, you, you you said like the style and stuff like that. We all teach a little bit differently. I have my following. You have your following. You know, Matt and Jeremy and other instructors have th- their topics, their followers and things like that. Yeah. So it's just, I you know, I was thinking about like, like my MailChimp course, which was my first course the quality of that in my last course, the paleo were um, for the holidays where I started doing stuff like you do with a video camera that I've owned for years mm-hmm. and filming with the tripod and stuff like that and making sure that the lighting was good. And so you get better over the course of time. And I definitely like, I know that I've gotten better because my MailChimp course, I would like to go back and redo that even though I use ConvertKit because I've got um, the background music and stuff like that, which I definitely I don't I wouldn't recommend that you, that you put that kind of stuff in your course. A lot of people find it annoying, but um, I as agree. far that's a good tip. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as like being able to find it on on YouTube and stuff like that, you really have to search and you have to search to find really good information. And what we're doing as instructors, we're taking all of that knowledge that we found from other places and putting it together in in one area or one place that you can find it. And I, I mean, what are they going to say? Like with with YouTube, it's just there's so many different things out there. You just sometimes you don't know what you're getting, and it's just you get what you pay for, I guess. And if yeah. it's free. But then again, we've got free courses on Udemy that are good courses. I mean, yeah, there's good quality out there at all prices. And that brings up another question I have for you about pricing. And there's a debate between should you put your courses on Udemy or these marketing course marketplaces where they have control of the pricing and opting into the promotions where they can basically sell your course for $10 or $20 Versus self-hosting or not opting into those promotions, that's a question I hear a lot from new instructors. Should mm-hmm. they opt into those pr- promotions or should they try to keep their course at a high premium price and and level? Do you have any thoughts about that? So I think it really depends on the course and the quality of the course. I've always been happy with Udemy myself. We know that from our conversation in the beginning that I put that WordPress course from uh, lead pages onto Udemy. Well, if you do it yourself, self-hosted, that's fine, but you better have a following to be able to promote it to. If you don't, 
Udemy is the place to go because they have already built a large amount of people. They're, they're the leader when it comes to hosting courses on a platform like Udemy. There's things like Skillshare out there, which is kind of like Udemy, but operates a little bit differently and kind of uh, took off when Udemy did their pricing change. But I think that it's kind of soured a little bit now. I didn't really get into Skillshare like some of the other instructors did because I really thought that you had to put a lot of effort to keep producing content to stay um, kind of relevant mm -hmm. on the, the platform. And with Udemy, I just think that like if you keep doing like what somebody like Phil or Joe Paris is doing and others, that you can build a steady stream of income. Even if it's a couple of thousand dollars a month, that's more than what a lot of people make at an average job, even here in the United States, you know. Um, as far as self-hosting goes, there's Teachable and some of the other ones. I, I know that you use some of those platforms. I haven't yet. I might at some point, you know, as I grow my audience and grow my email list. But it, it just really depends on, on what your goals are. But, you know, research all of those. I just think that for somebody just starting out, that Udemy is the way to go. Yeah. And then you can branch out into that other stuff. I agree. And speaking of building an audience, what are you doing right now to build your own audience and your email list? So <laughs> we know that I use ConvertKit, and I actually talked Phil into using ConvertKit last year. I started using it because I knew about it. I knew the guy who created it, uh, Nathan Berry. He lives here in the Boise area. And I just went to a meetup last year with some other ConvertKit users here in the Boise area. And that was really nice to be able to connect. And they're going to be doing some more meetups. But I was using MailChimp, so I had already started building an audience. But then I just thought that ConvertKit was easier to use with the sequences and things like that. And by sequences, I mean that it automatically it's automated. You can do that with MailChimp and you can do that with all of the other email um, apps that are out there. But I just like the way that ConvertKit functions. It has some basic landing pages that you can create quickly and things like that. And so I've, I was just looking before we started and I'm about 120 shy of 3,000 subscribers. Now, somebody might say, well, wow, that's a lot of subscribers. But we have to remember that when we get into email marketing that there's only going to be a certain amount of people that open your email. And then there's only going to be a certain amount that click on what, what other offer. But I've noticed that the more that I add and I start to promote uh, like the current Udemy sell because I'm an affiliate marketer, so I'm an instructor, but I also promote courses of other instructors. And I'm seeing like a, a lot of return on that. Like I was, you know, I told you that just today I've done over $200 and I've done 600 and this is the 9th of January. Mm -hmm. Now the Udemy sell ends here in a few days, so who knows what the numbers might be, but I can still continue promoting because I built a website 
about a year ago called Online Course Coupons. And because I know people like you and other instructors, I have the privilege of being able to promote those courses at a discounted price to my audience, which has continued to grow. And you know, you know that I used to have the onebuckcourses.com. And when Udemy did the pricing change in April of last year, I started thinking, okay, well, now that I've lost this income, what can I do to like? So I started free course daily, and that has over 700 subscribers now. And sure, they're getting a free course every day, but I have the opportunity to send them to online course coupons to look at the $10 courses and the Udemy promotions. So as I add more subscribers, I'm seeing that income growing more and more. And eventually I'll get to the point where I don't have to take a seasonal job and I can move out on my own at some point. <laughs> the way, Yeah. And the way I look at it with, I mean, it's the first week of January, the second week now, and you've made over $600 just from affiliate marketing. And that's a lot has to do with your, through your email marketing. That yes. Email marketing does cost something. You have to pay for most providers. Sometimes there's like a free option for starting out, but you're, you've already paid for the entire year, probably, or it might increase if you grow your list a lot, but you've paid for a, a good chunk of the year in your email marketing tool already. So anything you make now is kind of like a bonus. And that's how I looked at it when I was starting. I was very wary of paying for email marketing software or a tool like ConvertKit. <laughs> but yeah. as soon as I set it up and spent a little bit of time up front creating the sequences, creating the automations, putting in the opt-in forms on my website, I saw a an automatic return on my investment. And so as long as you have some sort of audience and can start to you know, send those people emails and educational and promotional emails, it's a really good idea to, to start that from the beginning. How are you, you've talked about using ConvertKit, but how are you actually getting people onto your list? What kind of content or opt-in forms or lead magnets are you using? So it's funny because like talking about social media, we, we know that I gave you a hard time about, you know, using social media because you weren't really using it that much. And I use social media a lot. And so I um, use a tool called Tweet Jukebox, which one of my and I use Hootsuite, but I might eventually move away from Hootsuite because the thing that I didn't like with Hootsuite is that I don't like that I can't repeat my tweets. And so I have to put a lot of effort into adding to Hootsuite, where Tweet Jukebox actually allows me to put in a tweet and say, okay, I want you to repeat this every four hours, every other day, every other week, every six weeks or whatever I want to set it to. And then I point those to the landing pages. So Twitter is not dead because there, it, it's driving traffic to those pages. And I have at least, at least 10 or more signups every day. Now I have various different lists because I'm not just doing free course daily. I'm also saying, okay, um, the convert kit course, like th there is some promotion that I'm allowing people to sign up for free so that I can send them through a sequence. 
And then same thing with my WordPress course. Now, what I need to do, Phil, is I need to get better at um, those sequences, at making sure that I'm staying on top of monetizing those. So now that I've got people to take my WordPress course for free, well, I'm an affiliate, you know, for you to me, and there's hundreds of other WordPress courses. So why not send them, you know, saying, hey, here's this WordPress course that specializes on this, or here's um, a WordPress course to teach you how to make plugins. So if I get better at that, and then you mentioned like not wanting to pay for tools like email tools and stuff like that. Well, we know that ConvertKit has an affiliate program. So I've got you uh, under the affiliate program and a couple of other people. So just the Udemy affiliate program, or not the Udemy affiliate, the ConvertKit is paying for my convert kit. So I'm not, and I'm almost at the point, like I think 3000 is the next increase in this subscription. So I was thinking about that earlier because you and I have had the conversation, like you really have to like, even though 3000 sounds great, scrub your email list mm-hmm. every now and then. Because if they're not, and that's why, like, I used to be when somebody unsubscribed, I was like, crap, like, I sent out this email and three unsubscribed, what did I do wrong, you know? Well, who cares? Because yeah. it's they, they weren't interested in what I was sending them anyway. You have to be able to target towards those people who are interested in your message and the product that you're sending out. Yeah, cleaning up your email list is really important for people because... You don't want to be paying for people to be on your list if they don't care about it, if all they're doing is deleting all of your emails that you send yeah. them or or even never engaging with it. Yeah, yeah, looking at it. And yep. maybe there's something to be said for someone just being on there and never buying a product from you. Ultimately, you do want them to buy a product, but... Is there any specific way you suggest going through your email list? Do you do it every year, every few months? Uh, Do you just look at people and see who hasn't clicked on any of my emails? And is that an option in ConvertKit? Are there any suggestions for cleaning up your list? So I haven't done that yet specifically because I haven't reached that next plateau. So that's why I started thinking about that. I sent you out uh, something with ConvertKit. ConvertKit has... Um, a specific article in their blog that tells you how to do that, how you can go through and find out who's not engaging so that you Mm -hmm. can scrub or purge them from your list. So I have to do that before I reach 3000 because otherwise I'm just throwing money like out the door for paying for it. Like you said. Um, So uh, it looks all, all good on, on paper that, oh, I've got 3,000 subscribers, but there's only going to be ever a certain percentage because they've done studies. And the thing that I like about ConvertKit is that you it does a better job at getting those percentages up higher on the open rate and then the click because you've got to get that open rate up there in order to have that success at the click rate. And I see like from my stats that I have, because I ask people like, because it looks like like it's not like a decent number, but in reality it is. There's just not like a huge percentage of people opening up emails. I don't open up all of my email. 
My inbox, that's why our inboxes are so clogged with crap because we don't open it, look at it, and delete it. But, you know, if we did that, then it would take away time from doing other things. I think my open rate for most of my sequences on ConvertKit are around 40%. And I think that's pretty solid uh, from what I've compared with other people. Um, if you know, if you're getting more than 50% of your subscribers to open your emails, I'd say you're doing a really good job. If it's anything 10 or 15% or less, I would say you need to work on your email marketing and uh, figure out really targeting the specific people that you want on your list. But at the end of the day, I would rather have a thousand people or even a hundred people who are true followers and fans of mine rather than 5,000 people who don't open my emails. Yeah, and I look at that stuff all the time, like in ConvertKit with the sequences, you can look at your reporting. And so with that, if I look at daily, because the free course daily is like every day there's an email. Because I was coming back from Ben, Oregon, listening to uh, Nick Loper's podcast, I think, and there was a guy on there who was talking about that he sends out email every day, that people will allow you to do that depending on what it is. And that's kind of how I came up with the concept with free course daily and people a lot. I mean, there's over 700 people who let me send them a message every day, offering them a free course. Now, in order to get that open rate up, I've looked at like tried different subjects like titles and stuff like that. And, and look and see like what the open rate and, and the click through rate is. So I can adjust that and, and, get more engagement like one of the things that i was doing is like okay so i'm offering a free course why not offer a ten dollar course that kind of matches the free course Mm. but then i didn't really see anything from that so what i'm doing now is i'm going back and just setting up some type of link that just says go here to browse more ten dollar courses on onlinecoursecoupons.com to see see what that does. So you just have to always be tweaking things. Yeah, yeah, that's a good good advice and something that's really hard and time consuming for a lot of people, especially people who don't like looking at analytics. But I know for me, especially on ConvertKit, but also on YouTube, looking at analytics has been so important to see what what are my most popular videos? What kind of content are people really enjoying of mine? And then trying to create more content like that. We're coming up on around 45 minutes, so I don't want to take too much of your time. But I do want to ask you, uh, if you were starting out as a course creator now and you were looking to build your audience on one platform, YouTube, social media, through webinars, through through your own website... Where would you focus your attention on? Uh, because there's so many things out there that we could all be doing. And sometimes it's a little hard to know, like, should I be focusing my attention on YouTube or on my email list or on blogging? But is there something that you've had the most success with and suggest for people? I think I would say I would go back to like what we were talking about, email marketing. I mean, I definitely want to focus more on things like YouTube because that's where, I mean, you email marketing, but you have to have content, you know. Mm-hmm. So YouTube is a great place to build content because you can, you know, if you're somebody just starting out, you can start building some content on YouTube and then eventually turn it into a course on Udemy. 
but if you're going to do that, you might start thinking about the quality, you know, make sure that you kind of put together like some nice editing and intro and have the stuff that we talked about, the equipment and things like that. And I would say that if you're going to go with something like YouTube, that you make sure that you think about your branding and brand it from the start. And one thing that Phil always brings up too that I have to focus on my YouTube channel. My YouTube channel is just not like what I do with online courses. It's me like um, driving through a thunderstorm in Twin Falls, <laughs> Idaho, and going out on New Year's Eve and stuff like that. And I don't recommend that you have that stuff like in in, in like a, a business type um, channel that you specifically focus on your topic or your 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 niche. And, and that's like why, like for me, I probably need to create a new channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, even I've had problems with having a channel that's on a wide variety of topics. And sometimes there's something to be said for it, including some of those more personal videos showing a little bit of personality. And that's what YouTube's sure. good for. But at the same time, you do it, you'll grow your audience faster and better if you speak, pick a niche and you choose a topic and you create videos about that. So where do you envision yourself five years from now and what are you doing to achieve any of those goals? Well, one of the things that I did recently is our friend uh, Brandon Hakim, who's a Udemy instructor. I have known him for a while, got to meet him at Udemy Live. He, I like seeing what other instructors are doing. He has the insider school and he had this webinar that I watched and he was offering time with him for this course that he's building and just kind of structuring your day and stuff like that and your goals and finding your why and stuff like that. I had a conversation with him thinking about my why, cause I've got like all of these different things. And so I came up with um, online course because I want to focus on helping these new instructors and we've got people around the world in in different countries and things like that who don't have the ability to have some of the equipment that you and I do but still have the knowledge to create a course and so I want to be able to help them with their marketing and answer their questions and things like that so I thought that that would be a perfect place for me to start putting all of my content into one place and then I would like to do more. Uh, eventually, I see myself like doing more consulting. Like, let's say somebody like um, Sarah Cordner in Australia, the stuff that she's doing. I really admire what she's doing. So I bought a projector because I want to start teaching some more in-person courses here in the Boise area. So those are some of the things that I see me doing uh, in five years. But to, in order to do that, I really have to get focused. I have to stop procrastinating. We talked about like putting the cell phone out there and, and having a morning routine. I've decided to like start doing things like meditation, uh, reading a chapter of a book, watching a lecture in a Udemy course before I touch things like Facebook and email. And even when it comes to Facebook, even though somebody like myself uses Facebook to promote a lot of the things that I do, definitely need to cut like the time that that I waste on Facebook. There are sometimes that I just sit there scrolling down the wall looking at stuff. I come across something political that sets me off and then I'm like, why am I doing this? 
You know, yeah. it's a waste of time. That's so. that's good advice for everyone. And if there's one thing I know about Dennis is he loves helping people and he loves bringing together people and creating online communities and online resources to help people. And so I think the online courseinsider.com program and trying to put everything together in one place is going to be a, a great idea and and not only successful for you but help a lot of other people. So wrapping up, is there what can where can people find you other than the online insider school in the future? But where's the best place to get more in touch with uh, Dennis Smith? So just a couple of places that I would like to mention: DennisJSmith.com, and then if you're a new instructor, OnlineCourseCoupons.com forward slash Udemy dash resource dash guide. I have a guide that since I've been on Udemy for a couple of years now, I save like all of the links to different resources um, because they're not always easy to find on Udemy's website. So you can go there and you can sign up and I will send you a really nice PDF that I put together that has all of those links to help you get started. Awesome, Dennis. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I know the listeners are going to be really excited about what you talked about. And we'll have to have you on the show again in the future to hear yeah. about how everything else is going. I'm excited. And you know, Phil, I, I love like the, the background that you have there. We've talked about that before. It looks so much better than this boring background that I have behind me. <laughs> well, you can, I have a video on YouTube on how, how to create a great video backdrop. And for those of you listening to the podcast right now, the, you can also watch the podcast on my YouTube channel at Video School Online. It's YouTube channel. So uh, Great. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Dennis. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. I hope you enjoyed this episode. There's no better way to learn how to become a better online course creator than heading over to OnlineCourseMasters.com and downloading your free 7-step guide to success. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen and make sure to leave a rating. If you do, I might even read it on a future show. Help us reach our first 100 ratings, it'll just take an extra minute of your time and help me know how to make this show even better. Thanks and have a beautiful day.